I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Nick, and we are back with another podcast. And this is, you know, this is a fun week because playoffs are here. Um, but before playoffs could begin... It was an eventful week 13 with a lot of nail biters, you know, a lot of tense moments. And the people in the podcast felt that the most. Um, I'm joined with just Dan this week. Dan, how are you? How are you doing? How would you like to be a spotted elephant or a choo-choo with square wheels on your caboose? Or a water pistol and shoot jelly? Well, dude, I, just a, just a little well, a segue in there. I was definitely a water pistol shooting jelly this week. Uh, it was a really rough weekend for me. Uh, not to mention we had Black Friday. We got smoked in the retail store environment. But you know what, man? It's a new week. It's a new podcast. Life is good, and I'm happy to be here, brother. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing well. Um, you, unfortunately, did not have the best week. Uh, but I got by, you know, on the... Oh, you got by with a little help right. with a, yeah, <laughs> you got a little by help all with right. My, a little help from my friends. Um, I won by let's see, point three five, point three six. Sniffing it out, man. Yeah, I was fucking Neo out there dodging bullets. Um, Delvin Cook almost gives me a heart attack. Sounds like he's fine. And Russ, you know, just did barely enough after I almost got fucked ben- benching Deshaun Watson. So. Thankfully, it didn't bite me in the ass, and I have a bye this week. The fantasy gods giveth, and the fantasy gods do taketh away if you're myself and our missing comrade, Mr. Roos, so. Yeah, I mean, one. so one thing I found interesting, um, and you and Nick are kind of on the opposite sides of the spectrums, um, in the sense that if Nick would have gotten the bye over me, it would have been frustrating because I think an argument could be made that I was probably the top team, at least over the course of the season, in the Avengers division, uh, if you just look at, like, points scored. Um, so one thing I did is I looked at what my victory points would be if I had Nick's schedule. And then on the flip side, I did the same thing because you're in a similar spot with me in the sense that you were probably the top team in the Justice League just looking at points scored. Um, so if I played Nick Ruth's schedule, I would have scored still 28 victory points on the season. If Nick Ruth played my schedule over the course of the season, he would have gone down from 27 to 25 victory points. Um, two, big, two points is a big swing. Right. So, I mean, that's just, you know, schedules, you know, impacting things. Um, and then the flip side for you and Stefan, if you would have paid Stefan's schedule, ironically, your victory points would have dropped down to 25. But you want to hear the funny thing. If Stefan would have played your schedule, his victory points would have dropped down to 20. So wow. it's just kind of the quirks of how your schedule is lined up with points that you guys both would have scored lower than what you ended up doing, yep. but your schedule proved to be a little more difficult than Stefan's. I mean, if you want to talk about the scheduling gods playing everything here, who would have thought that 75% of us would be sitting up on a Monday night watching the fucking Vikings and the Seahawks play down to the last little bit where all of a sudden a goddamn Kyle Rudolph touchdown goes through and rips your heart out after you've wasted two and a half hours watching a goddamn game. Sorry, bitter moment, but... Yeah, and I mean, also, let's be honest, I mean, for a little bit, for about, like, three quarters, Jer was sniffing on the playoffs. That was super close. Jerry was was an Irv... If that was Irv Smith instead of Kyle Rudolph... Oh, yeah. This might be a whole different story we're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. It... Yeah, it would have been close, but... At the end of the day, you know, Zane, yeah. you know, Armand yeah. did his, his valiant effort. He scored 144 points, but yeah. Zane pulled through at the end by, well, like .74 points. Yeah. It was crazy, man, and that sets us up for an interesting week 14 as we head into the playoffs a little bit. But I know we've got a little bit to talk about before we start talking playoffs. Yeah, before we get to the playoffs, obviously we had the trade deadline. 
that came on Thanksgiving morning. And there was a flurry of moves kind of the building up to that point, uh, four in fact. So of course, we're going to talk about each of these um, deals that went down and kind of give our thoughts. And the first one we're going to talk about involves Stefan and Adam. Stefan sent a, tw- a 2020 um, fourth round draft pick and a 2021 third round draft pick along with McCall Hardman to Adam for Tom Brady. Dan, what's your read on this one? I mean, I think it's Stefan goes and looks at it from a desperation piece at quarterback. Phillip Rivers isn't doing anywhere near what Phillip Rivers used to do in previous years. Yeah. And I think you've got to take a look at Brady's schedule down the end here. He's got Kansas City this week. He got Cincinnati next week, which is a super juicy matchup, which go fucking figure. He's got a buy. He's going to get a nice matchup to potentially get himself into the championship game. The downside is his week 16, he plays Buffalo and Buffalo has the fourth best pass defense. Or, sorry, my, let me check my notes really quick. That is the third best pass defense in the NFL. Um, that's kind of tough, but mm-hmm. you've got to like your chances to at least get yourself into an ability to play the game. I think giving up Mecole Hardman was a little much. Um, I think the third and the fourth potentially could have been an equivalent for a Brady rental, but quarterbacks cast, cost a premium in this league. So mm-hmm. especially if you want to be a guy that's going to make a move for it, playing Cincinnati in week 15 when that's the week you've got to go through and put a victory up against me or Kevin, it's kind of hard to fault it for a push for now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. At the end of the day, um, when you're competing in the playoffs and you're going for a championship, you know, the age-old quote kind of comes into play and that's banners fly forever um you know trading mccall hardman you know might suck but if tom brady is the reason that stefan wins a championship you know who gives a shit um you mentioned brady has a pretty juicy schedule and he does um he's he hasn't been very brady like but as you mentioned i mean philip rivers has been kind of trash and i don't know if he's secretly injured or if this chargers offense is just you know off or what the case is but he probably wasn't winning a title with Philip Rivers as his second string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a smart move as far as an upgradable position for him. It's, you know, when you think about a long-term investment, this is this is a great move um, for... Long-term for... Yeah, long-term. I mean... For Stefan? For Stefan. Or no, not for Stefan. I'm sorry, for... Um, for Adam. For Adam, yes. I think Adam oh, gets yeah. a this... nice young receiver piece. But I I would be curious to this... this this trade might have different pieces when we start sitting down and talking about the beginning of next year if Tom Brady has a home to play football in. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing, and again, it's hard to play, you know, armchair trade analysis person. Um, I know Steve was, you know, open to talking trades. I wonder if Jameis Winston was attainable. Um, that would, I, I feel like, is probably the only other quarterback that, well, besides maybe Ryan Tannehill. Um, I guess question for you: Would you have rather acquired Tannehill or Tom Brady? I'd imagine this package would have worked for either one. Yeah, I mean, so so let's let's look at Tannehill and Winston and Brady. So and Winston, who knows if he was attainable? But yeah, I do I mean, think I mean, Tannehill I'm, probably for this same package probably could have got the deal done. Yeah. So Tennessee at Oakland. That's pretty solid. Tennessee at home against Houston. That's all right. Not that's great. a rough one. And then yep. championship week, Tennessee is at home against New Orleans. Again, not, not great, but two home matchups, so that helps. Yep. So that's that's kind of what you look at from, from that matchup. So, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, it's rough. It's an interesting piece, especially when we start talking about the next trade with where Ryan Tannehill actually gets moved. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean it's an it's an interesting way to look at it. I think Hardman has a better upside, but if Brady finds a decent home next year, whether it's in New England or not, if he starts, this potentially closes the gap from a rebuild to a to a a guy that can continue to win football games. Yeah, I mean I feel like we've been saying with or quarterbacks, especially Tom Brady, you know, we've just kind of been assuming, you know, he's just going to be elite forever, but he is 42. He's going to be 43 for the next um, season if he plays you know at some point he's gonna drop off the proverbial cliff so it'll be interesting to see when that finally does happen um i think for this trade i do like it for both sides 
Um, I mean, for Adam, it's a clear win, I think. Um, you, you acquire Tom Brady for Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, Sam would like to have that one back. It's one of the, the few trades that I think Sam probably fucked up on. But getting a guy like Hardman, who a lot of people, I think, assumed only had value when Tyreek was maybe going to get banned from football when everyone thought that in the offseason. But I think he's proven that he can be a successful piece. And he's kind of impressed me as a rookie. I agree. And you can't go wrong having a piece in a dynamic offense, which again, hashtag foreshadow, we'll talk about in a third trade that happened this week. But having a piece of the Kansas City offense continues to be an exciting way to play football and an exciting way to watch your fantasy team. Agreed. And for Stefan, it makes sense. You had to upgrade from Rivers. My only questions would be, could you have maybe upgraded with a different quarterback that maybe has longer staying power? I, I don't know the answer to that, um, but we'll I, I get... 2020 rolls around. Right. I get Stefan's reasoning for wanting to do this. I think this is actually really close to a win-win. Yeah, all I think considered. it's super simple all the way If around. I had to choose, I'd probably pick Adam, though, just because I, I, like, I like the younger piece, and I like yeah. cashing in on someone like Brady. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next trade, and... At the aforementioned Ryan Tannehill was moved in this one. Um, in this one, Kevin sent Preston Williams and a 2020 second-round draft pick, which is his own, uh, to Armand, not Sean. I'm very proud of myself. Uh, for Ryan Tannehill. Again, you know, this is another quarterback trade. Um, h- how do you feel about this one, Dan? Um, so my computer's loading up to understand here that, oh, Ryan Tannehill's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Where is Ryan Tannehill going to go? Well, the best part is, is I think Ryan Tannehill's played himself into a contract somewhere. Possibly might be back in Tennessee, which has been a great thing for him. I think that offense fits well. Tannehill doesn't have to do too much. He gets to make the throws when he needs to make the throws. He has a little bit of mobility, and he's got a pretty nice running game to back him up. I think this is what makes Ryan Tannehill pretty good. We've obviously covered the Tennessee schedule, so getting Ryan Tannehill down the stretch here, it's not a bad move. It gives Kevin another solidifying piece here. Um, When you talk about the fact that Kevin has the choice between Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, and then obviously now David Blau instead of Matthew Stafford, Mm -hmm. you know, when you sit down and you look at a couple schedules here, so now I'm going to be this guy. Let's see here. Championship week. New York Giants are... At Washington. Oh, that's pretty a pretty juicy, juicy matchup here. Uh-huh. When you go through week 15. So if Kevin Weeks this week, holy shit, they're at home against Miami. Wow. Pretty juicy. That's not too bad there. Um, and then this week, crazy enough, they go through and they are at a, or they're away in Philadelphia, who has an atrocious pass defense. Daniel Jones looks like he's actually would have been the guy. Sam Darnold's the guy. I think you look at bench and. Oh yeah, Sam Darnold's got a brutal. I mean, this matchup against the Dolphins is nice, but the next the Ravens and Steelers. That's yeah. Oh. I don't know if he's starting him over Tannehill. So you've got to like the move from Kevin when you look at a perspective and a matchup piece. Obviously, he's got a he's got a bank on Nick Roos, you know, male orgasm donor of Sam Darnold trying to get through (laughs) through this week. But, I mean, overall, I think it's a super fair trade. Preston Wilson has been arguably outstanding if he comes back from from this ACL injury. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But Devontae Parker's kind of stolen the show down in Miami. But this kid's this is a young kid. He's got a lot of upside, a lot of talent. And that second-round pick, which is going to be back half potentially, I mean, it could be seventh if it's my pick if I lose this matchup to Kevin. 
Um, I think it's a, I think it's an overall win win. So let's compare first. Like let's look at both the deals: the Tom Brady one and the Ryan Tannehill one. The focal piece. I mean, Preston Williams. How do you compare him to McCall Hardman? Is it close? It's. I think it depends on the offense you play in. If you put Preston Williams, if you flip those two players, uh-huh. and you tell me that Preston Williams plays for Kansas City and Michael Hardman plays for Miami, I take Preston Williams all day. I think it has to do with the offense that you play in. Um, so for this piece, uh, understanding that, yeah, you get the second, I still think that Michael Hardman the Kansas City offense makes up the ground for a second, and then Preston Williams playing in the Miami offense, understanding we're not sure who's going to be the quarterback in 2020. Fair enough. I mean, what do you, what do you think? I mean, do, you, okay, do, you, so, do you think that's the case or no? No, I agree. Preston Williams, just he scares me just a tiny bit. I, I know I mentioned it, I think, when we did the um, the rookie redraft one. Um, but he's an unre- or he was an undrafted free agent, you know, signing player. And don't get me wrong, he was amazing. But he tore his ACL, major injury. He plays for, I mean, maybe not the worst team in the NFL, but one of the top five worst teams um, that it has a void of talent. Um, they have multiple first-round draft picks. They could, in a very deep wide receiver draft class, could get another wide receiver. And as you mentioned, Devontae Parker's broken out. I'm, I'm just worried that Preston Williams, like you know, this might have been like maybe his best potential that we saw, a in his first year. Um, so that slightly just worries me. So I get Kevin Cashin in. Um, McCall Hardman, I think, just has, like you said. Because of the offense, he's in a lot of upside and, you know, something – he's a player you want to roll the dice on. Yeah, and I think the interesting piece, too, is Parker's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, too. If yep. Parker moves on from from Miami, this opens the door for, for, for Williams to potentially be a number two. A lot of it depends on, you know, if anybody says Miami doesn't need a running back, you're a liar. Maybe Melvin Gordon might be the answer down here, but that would be a – really rough place to watch career go to die um it's it's an interesting piece to see how some of these pieces will fall this offseason with the draft and looming with certain free agents being available um i this could get really interesting and preston williams has an upside but the acl injury and i've only seen maybe a couple players come back off of an acl super healthy and and taking care of business um, yeah, but there's got to be a little bit of cause for concern. So I'll take the Hardman side to it, but I don't think it's a bad return for Ryan Tannehill. No, I mean, four weeks ago, or maybe a little bit longer than four weeks ago, I mean, Tannehill wouldn't have netted a second-round draft pick. So from Hardman's side of things, if you don't believe in Tannehill and pay up until this point, it'd be very hard to argue against that. I totally get wanting to cash in on this. And the second-round draft pick, you know, we can't sell that short. It is your pick, so it will be in the later half of the second round. But this is looking like a very, um, a very loaded draft class, and it's you know having any draft capital, but especially in the early part of the draft, is exciting. And you know this could net Armand maybe a nice piece or gives him more trade ammo if he wants to make a future move. Yeah. I like it. Let's uh, let's go back to let's go on to an next trade which might have some fantasy irrelevancy potentially. <laughs> Well, this one was interesting. It involves Sam and Kevin, and Sam sent Auden Tate, a 2020 second-round draft pick, to Kevin for Antonio Brown. Who? Antonio Brown, the guy that's not playing football and was kicked off the Patriots. Oh, and... that one guy that goes on Twitter because he's bipolar as shit and has no fucking idea how to behave professionally? That guy, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So... First of all, the, the the most ironic thing that I like about this trade is this is like a trade that Sam would make trading Antonio Brown and Kevin would make inqu- inquire, or acquiring Antonio Brown. Like they seem to like flip their roles. Um, and it's kind of funny that these two are the ones that are flipping their roles and doing it in a trade together. Um, because, I mean, Kevin, I think, cashed in on a player that right now obviously is at his lowest value. Um, but you know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he maybe doesn't play again. So I'm not going to fault someone that wants to cash in on that at the same time. I mean, from Sam's side of things, you know, we talk about like the upside and the perceived potential and Antonio Brown, you know, very quickly, you know, if this stuff gets pushed behind him, I mean, talent and all that stuff can really trump some bad PR 
all it needs is one offseason. You know, look at Kareem Hunt now lighting the world up in Cleveland. Antonio Brown, you know, maybe he figures it out and can put his head on the straight and narrow and, you know, signs with a decent team. I don't know who. Um, but his value could turn around very quickly. Not saying that it will, but it's a possibility. So I see it for question. both sides. So let me ask this, this question really quick. While Kareem Hunt was going through his eight-week suspension, did you hear his name during any part of this offseason? No. Okay. Do you think Antonio Brown could keep his mouth shut for four weeks in general? No, absolutely not. And I think but, that becomes an interesting piece to it when you, th- when but you think But here's a question yeah. for you. Yep. Who do you think is more talented? Oh, Antonio Brown has all the more talent in the world, I think, just from a dynamic pass-catching capability. Now, that's not taking anything away from Kareem Hunt. He's shown no, of course that not. He, he can be the man to, to spell Nick Chubb. He, he has he has catching out of the backfield capabilities. He has the ability to run between the tackles. He has the ability to bounce outside. Antonio Brown is a freak of nature, and he's shown that with, with Big Ben. He showed that with Tom Brady. I imagine if he can get into an offense that's super dynamic, and I'm not taking anything away from those offenses. Antonio Brown has a bright future. It's where do you cut your losses with guys that are PR nightmares. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Antonio Brown's a PR nightmare. Look at what Colin Kaepernick did to himself and all these pieces, and there's a receiver that got to try out off the Kaepernick workout instead of Kaepernick. And your question becomes is, did the Lions mess up by not taking a shot at this with starting David Blau of over all this and not bringing Kaepernick? Who knows? It's it's an interesting piece to it, but, I mean, it's a, it's a risky move. It's an interesting move, but it could pay dividends if this guy, you know, takes the sanity side instead of the bipolar side. Yeah, I think because of that, I mean, I know Sam – he obviously has a lot of holes on his team, but I think rolling the dice on a second round draft pick for Antonio Brown, whether it's to use on his own team or who knows, maybe he's going to flip him in the off season to another player and get more assets. I don't know, but if, I think if Brown can Sam, be quiet. I think it, it's absolutely a possibility. Oh yeah. And I, for Sam, I, I don't mind at all going for this and trying to roll the dice. He's a team that actually I think can afford to do that because he has this draft capital. So so what are your thoughts with the Auden Tate piece then? AJ Green's a free agent at the end of this year. Auden Tate's proven that he could potentially step up into this number two role behind Tyler Boyd. What do you, what are your thoughts on this Tate kid? Uh, I mean, I think he's he's shown potential, but I'm not sure that he's I don't think he has staying power personally. I think he could settle in and maybe be like, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be Cole Beasley, but maybe that's like his best case scenario, like someone that is a perennial best case scenario flex player. And again, that's best case scenario. I think he's right now kind of feasting on a team that doesn't have a lot of talent and hey, he's, he's doing well and maybe that's going to give him more opportunities, but I just, I, I'm not a huge believer. Are you? I appreciate you rubbing the Colt Beasley thing into my face on last week's matchup. Um, if if he continues to build the chemistry, and who knows what the Bengals are going to do with their quarterback situation. Ryan Finley didn't look all that great. Um, Andy Dalton looked actually really decent coming mm-hmm. coming back in here. So, I mean, that offense is a question mark. That offense needs a lot of offensive line help. Um, it has a lot, a lot of other of holes, pieces so. that I think you can that you can look at other than the receiver position to get it done, but I don't know, a Tate to Tate and a T to Teat and a Tot to Tot, and we can probably move on to a different Tate that got moved this week. Yeah, so the last trade, um, and we're taking it full circle because we're going back to Stefan and Adam making one final deal. Um, right at the buzzer, too. This was like a minute or two before the trade deadline. Um, Stefan sent Philip Rivers, and Adam sent Golden Tate. It was a straight-up player-for-player swap. swap. What are your reactions on this one, Dan? Um, I mean, we've obviously had our piece with Philip Rivers. I don't know how much longer Philip Rivers plays. I think I think of when you look at a, when you look at old guys that are playing in the NFL like Rivers, Breeze, Brady. I think Rivers is the shortest career expectancy out of all of them. Um, it's an interesting piece, and Golden Tate is Golden Tate. He's he's not going to blow you out of the water. He makes some spectacular catches, but he's developing chemistry with Daniel Jones. I think this is a big win acquiring Golden Tate. Um, I don't like the Philip Rivers piece personally, but Golden Tate doesn't go through and go, wow, Golden Tate. No, it's like, eh, Golden Tate's here. Yeah, I mean, Golden Tate's solid depth, um, but he's just that. He's solid depth. He's he's getting up there in age two, and 
you know, maybe a little bit more prone to injuries. I don't know. Um, I know Stefan kind of has, if there's a hole in his roster after quarterback, it's probably wide receiver. So I, you know, getting depth there, that makes sense. For Adam, I don't mind rolling the dice on Phillip Rivers. I know he's been disappointing, but he's only 37 years old, which I say the word only. I mean, for a quarterback that is young, um, I don't know if he's going to rebound or capable of rebounding, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, so so correct me if I'm wrong. Philip Rivers, and as I don't have this pulled up as it loads, Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers is a free agent next year, right? Um, I believe so. Yes. So, do you think he ends up somewhere decent, or do you think that? I mean, he's nobody really wants to take a shot. Yeah, he's unrestricted free agent next year. Do you think anybody takes a shot in rolling the dice on a 38 year old quarterback? I mean, given his track record. I don't see how you couldn't. I mean, as a Bears fan, fucking bring him in to compete with Mitchell or something. That's fine by me. And there's a lot of other worse situations where he can make sense. Um, Plus, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Chargers are going to move on from him. Um, They have a team that I think it's disappointed, but all their losses are by like one or a single scoring possession or less. So they could very easily be in the playoff hunt. Now, maybe they're not in the playoff hunt because of Phillip Rivers, fine. But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they don't bring him back. And again, if they don't, I think there will be teams that will at least be interested in him. Now, if his career's over and he's falling down the hill and over the over the hill and whatever, that's a different story. Um, I don't know. I'm not a doctor and I can't read yeah. this situation. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, we're trying to forecast 2020 potentially in different right. pieces of this, and that's for another podcast. But it's a lot of it hinges on the fact that we're watching these guys get moved that are unrestricted free agents coming into 2020. A lot of these things, I think, will come for full circle once we understand what their future better and holds. Here's my question for you. What do you this got? time next year, yep. like right before the trade deadline, I told you that one of either Philip Rivers or Golden Tate was traded for a second-round draft pick in 2020. Which one of these do you think is traded for a second-round draft pick, if you had a bet? Golden Tate. Okay. You? I think Philip Rivers. May, may the East and the West never meet each other, then. <laughs> All right, well, that concluded the trade deadline. Um, it was a very intense part. I know there was some, you know disagreements with when a trade is constituted but i just want to reinforce that a trade is not finalized until both teams accept things and you can talk and you know chat and make drunk conversations or whatever you want to do for your trades but look at it you kevin until you hit accept both teams that accept it's not finalized so hopefully everyone can understand that basic right and not take anything too personally Yep, it was good banter in the in the group me. I got or in the not the group me, but in the Discord. I had to get caught up, and I I was laughing a little bit, and it was an entertaining conversation. But that's my two cents. Yes, I agree. Um, all right. Well, before we talk about the playoffs, last thing we'll kind of mention is the first six picks in the rookie draft is set um, officially. And just to give a rundown on how that looks, the first pick will be held by Sam. The second pick will be by Armand. The third pick by Chris. The fourth pick will be by Zane via Jerry. The fifth pick will be by Zane via Adam. The sixth pick will be by Sam via Steve. Um, any thoughts I'll, on that? I'll, I'll ask you a question immediately. If you're Sam, are you super pissed you're picking at one and then you don't pick again until six after all you've done? I mean, I don't know if you can look at it that way because we all knew that Armand and Chris were going to be or those two teams were going to be near the top. Um, so the question is, is he mad that he didn't get the fourth or fifth pick? I mean, yeah, he's got to be a little bit annoyed just because, I mean, for the longest time, Jer- Jerry was in the driver's seat. And if Jerry made the playoffs, he would have got Zane's pick. And Zane's pick would have probably been in that fourth spot as well. So that was a huge, you know, game changer. And, you know, Zane came through at the end. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Sam still has, you know, Six total first-round draft picks, two in the top six, four in the bottom six. Um, sucks that they're not higher, but I think 
again, you know, we'll talk more about this draft class, I'm sure, in future pods. But it's looking like a very strong class. And there's going to be talent from the first six picks to the next 12 picks. So the, the last question I'll ask you here, and then I'll let you kind of pick my brain if you want to. Which of the six picks that are starting here is uh-huh. the most likely to be traded prior to the, their actually being drafted? Mm. That's a good question. I mean, when you look at like the teens, I, I guess let's let's look at that. Sam has a lot of holes. You know, if he keeps the first pick, he's drafting best player available. Armand, um, his wide receiver situation looks good, so he could go quarterback most certainly. But running back, I don't think is out of the question. Um, Chris again is kind of open for anything I think Zane with the 4th and 5th probably wants running backs and Sam again open for anything I mean I think if I had to you know right now gun to my head you got to go Zane just because he showed last year he's willing to move and entertain talks and you know move back or acquire future assets so I would say the 4th or the 5th pick is probably on the block and when you look at how the draft class might fall I mean with almost certainly one quarterback going in the probably the top two picks and then followed by a running back and then you know who knows maybe a running back or wide receiver at pick three um a guy like jonathan taylor could fall you know maybe deandre siff maybe travis Etning. i don't know who will be the consensus but those are going to have a lot of value and whether zane wants it on his team or he wants to sell to the highest bidder i think that's where it probably makes the most sense what about yeah, you? I think Zane's four dot or one dot four moves. I think the easiest Zane still gets a pick there, um, but this gives him the ability to recoup a little bit of talent. And obviously, one dot four is going to come at a pretty penny, especially when you think about the talent that could potentially go before it. But I think, like you said, a running back needy team could find a lot of value at one dot four. And but you want to know the interesting thing? I think Zane's also a target. You know, he's got a very well-rounded team, um, especially getting that after getting that Lamar Jackson gift. Um, what if he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to trade up to the second pick, or maybe he talks to Sam to trade up to the first pick, and you get that top running back. Because when you look at his team, that's all he's missing. He just needs a running back, and he's, you know, feisty and really scary like and spooky. That's that's the hole. Um, maybe he looks to trade up, you know, with Armand for pick two, and Armand's got a lot of holes. You know, getting falling back a spot or two, so maybe you still get your Tua after the injury. And then you get maybe another draft pick. That's maybe think, something to monitor. I think Chris, too, has some potential to, even if it's just back one position, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities there to, to move up for one if you don't necessarily need the running back that you can fall back a little bit afford to lose one ahead of you, but you still end up with the guy that you want plus a couple additional pieces. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it can always make sense. You know, it, a lot of things are going to change now. I mean, there's consensus, favorites, and... um We'll have people officially declare, then we'll have the combine, and that's when, you know, the fun, you know, lion season will begin, and it'll be interesting to see what prospects are moving up and down the boards. But curious, as we sit right here today, if you had to, you know, take someone for Sam at the first pick of the draft, do you have a favorite in mind? It's hard to talk against Burrow. I mean, everything screams at that Joe's the guy to go to, that he's the guy that's going to get taken care of. He's going to do all these different pieces. Um, I mean, you could make an argument for for a wide receiver. You could make an argument for a running back. I just think in a two-quarterback league, I think Joe Burrow's the guy to go to you. So I agree with you. I think if I had to place a bet, I think the first pick is going to be a quarterback. But if you ask me to pick right now, I think it's – the media doesn't know quarterbacks like the NFL does, and we see it all the time that they fall. And not saying Joe Burrow's not going to be potentially the first pick, but who knows with Tua, maybe another quarterback, I don't know. I mean, at this point last year, I don't think anyone in their right mind was pers- um, projecting Kyler Murray it's to be a, the that's first a, overall To me, pick. it's a Josh Fields. It's a, it, I mean, that you want to talk about a dark horse. I view, I view Fields as what the Baker Mayfield was. Well, Fields isn't eligible this year, unfortunately. Well, damn it. But next year, him and Trevor Lawrence. Who, Nelly? I cannot wait for that. Hashtag 2021. Jerry's building it up. <laughs> but going back to this, though, I, so I'm going to not actually project a quarterback just because I don't know which one it's going to be. So I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift, running back out of Georgia. I think he's the most talented. 
Um, there's a lot of teams that could use him. And I think at the end of the day, running backs are safe. I don't think he's going to be the first overall pick come May. But right now, if you tell me gun to my head, I'll go with him. Can't go wrong there. All right. Now, you know, a half, at least probably two-thirds of the league has been waiting for, and now only six teams. Uh, playoffs are here, and that is what we live and breathe for. And for, again, for Dan, you know, it's a little bit bittersweet for you right now that you're unfortunately playing this week. But me and Stefan, we get to enjoy the week off and watch you guys duke it out. Um, the two matchups, there's only two matchups this week. Everyone else is watching from home. And the first matchup is Dan versus Kevin. And this is a rematch, of course, of what we saw last week. And nothing personal here, of course, because Kevin beat Dan and yep. knocked him out of the yep. buy spot. So, hey, nothing like getting revenge right away. Am I right? It's it's nice to have the ability to turn around and go up against the guy that um, that you did it. And crazy enough, this will be the rubber match between me and Kevin as the season uh, as we split one to one in the season total. So I mean, going into this matchup, first of all, how are you feeling? Like, are you do you feel like you need to reinvent the wheel, or is it is there anything that kind of scares you going into this matchup? Um, other than my matchups, I like the team that I have. Unfortunately, this is a, if you want to talk about a week you never had to play anybody, this is the week I didn't want to have to play anybody. My matchups are atrocious, and I know Mm -hmm. Ruth broke them down in an email to us. They're not pretty, man. No, they're not great, unfortunately. Um, I mean, the one good matchup you do have, and at the end of the day, he can win your matchup, Christian McCaffrey against the Falcons is juicy and that could work out for you um but yeah Yeah. let's talk i mean josh allen he's been a revelation but he's going up against baltimore and that two josh allen against fucking baltimore and then drew Brees against the fucking niners how bad like do i start Dwayne haskins is this is what life has come down to i mean i think the two that you have started right now are the best you got to go with Cousins, obviously. That's a good matchup yep. against Detroit. Detroit yep. But Josh Allen, you know, he's been special this year. And he's got a rushing floor, and that gives him a high floor. He, I think you got to roll the dice with him, and I think that's a smart choice that you currently have him in. I, that That is what I would do personally. I mean, but then on the flip side, you look over at Kevin. Kevin's got really nice matchups. You know, Sam Darnold here. God damn it. He's playing Miami. And then Ryan Tannehill against Oakland. That's a rough one, man. No, I mean, you got to give it. You got to give Kevin the advantage in quarterbacks. There's, Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Um, but then let's move on to the running backs. And I think that maybe tilts back in your favor. Um, Kevin's running backs are Saquon Barkley against the Eagles. Eagles have a very vicious front seven Todd Gurley against the Seahawks and then Derrick Henry against Oakland um those are all pretty tough matchups I mean Henry obviously you probably feel the best about just because him and that Titans offense has been kind of in a zone of late but it's not a great matchup oh I forgot James White excuse me James White against um the Kansas City Chiefs that's a pretty solid matchup for James White um but James White has been kind of inconsistent, and he's also a Patriots running back. So I don't think you can feel amazingly excited about that. Um, and for you, Dan, I mean, Mark Ingram against Buffalo, that's not ideal. Philip Lindsay against Houston, that's that's okay. But Christian McCaffrey against Atlanta, I mean, I think that's, I think that's a good matchup. I mean, I know Nick's stats show that it's not the best matchup, but... I mean, it's interesting, though, because he's had right there. He says, surprisingly, not a good matchup. Negative 1.9 below projected. Oh, fun fact. He put up 30 points against them last time. And if I can get 30 points out of Christian McCaffrey, that's a solid day. But you're right. I mean, my biggest hinder, my biggest hope is that the the Eagles are number four against the rushing against rushing attack. That's massive. That has to give me the ability to shut down. Um, Saquon Barkley, but it makes me nervous. Is does Daniel Jones becomes the better play 
um, mm-hmm. potentially over Darnold or Tannehill. Um, who knows? But Gurley hasn't done well. White's been inconsistent. So, yes, if I'm going to find a positivity to this matchup, you've got to like my running backs. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I guess I'll just jump into it right now. Why are we not starting guys? So I'm I'm playing with a couple different pieces okay. um, with it. There's a couple. I mean, he went big last year. Or not last year. I'm sorry, last week. This mm-hmm. week he has the matchup. Um, he's away against Green Bay. Yep. It's it's a very civvy type defense. It's do I trust the ability that they're not going to put eight in the box and force them to Haskins. beat them via an aerial attack via Haskins? That's the rough part about this. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go on record. I think I would start him over um, Michael Gallup against the Bears in the Thursday yep, night. That's, that's, um, that's literally the one thing I'm sitting here playing in my mind about. And it's hard because Dak Prescott's been really good. The Bears mm-hmm. defense has been – they've shown times where they're unbeatable in the air, and getting getting Akeem Hicks back is extremely helpful. Are, mm-hmm. Is he officially back, by the way? Um, I don't know about officially, but it's, it's all trending. trending that way. Because yeah. the nice thing about Hicks is Hicks helps pause up the running game. Mm-hmm. So – that could potentially help take away Ezekiel Elliott, which would play into the, hey, Michael Gallup's potentially has the opportunity for more targets. But, yes, I'm literally sitting here thinking that Darius Geis is going to be the play, and that'll probably be a Thursday, 3.30, 4 o'clock matchup where I'm sitting here going, oh, shit, let's go ahead and think about this. Now, here's news obviously broke today, just NFL news. You know, Ron Rivera was fired. Does that scare you at all, like, for the offense and what that could do for McCaffrey? Oh, dear Christ, does it scare me ever. I mean, the nice thing is, is I think Rivera only calls defensive plays, correct? Right. Yep, yep. So, so that gives me some... it's still a some, coaching change. It's still a coaching change, but you've got to hope that when you look at this offense, you need to realize, hey, the only way we're going to win a game is if we give the ball to this small little white guy that is a tank beyond a tank of a running back because he can do it all. And and yep. you gotta hope and pray that that continues to be the mindset. But if it's not the mindset, dude, I could easily be dusted by three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So I'm let's, be, uh, yeah, let's go I'm, to wide receivers. Unless you have any final thoughts here. No, I mean I think that covers everything at the running backs. I mean I like your edge. Um, for Kevin, I guess the only thing I'm not. Sh- I mean Todd Gurley, I'm just not sure about starting. Um, I know he's got the volume. I know he's a good player. Um, I guess for me, I would maybe consider Robbie Anderson against the Dolphins over him. Um, I mean, the yeah, positive just, side is you get that you get that stack, that QB wide receiver stack, if you do it that way. Right. That that would be the only thing. I mean, Gurley just I don't know. That Seattle matchup just just scares me. It's I don't know. That that's the only thing for his. For Kevin's matchups as a whole, that I would think long and hard about, um, but yeah, at the wide receivers, I mean, Kevin has you know Kenny Galladay against Minnesota, DJ Moore against Atlanta, and Calvin Ridley versus the card or versus the Panthers, and Dan, you're rocking Tyler Boyd against Cleveland, Julian Edelman against the Chiefs, currently Michael Gallup against the Bears, and Jarvis Landry against the Bengals. Um, I mean, the Edelman and Landry matchups are pretty juicy. You got to be feeling great about that. Um, I mean, Tyler Boyd against Cleveland, that's, I mean, that's a good matchup for your potentially third wide receiver, but it's not great. And same thing for Gallup. It's yep. not great for your fourth wide receiver, or it's, it's okay for your fourth wide receiver, but you don't feel confident, I'm sure, about that matchup. No, it's, it's an interesting. I mean, you look at a guy like Cole Beasley and Adam Thielen that I have sitting on my bench. Beasley's got a rough rough matchup. But Thielen has a juicy one, but it's do I want to trust his hamstring? He was out last week when everybody forecasted him to play. I came on record last week that said I'm not playing him until he has a full game under his belt. Do I tempt myself against it? And I I don't know if I do is is the big piece. But if you're Kevin, you've got to be feeling nice. DJ Moore is a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Yes, I said that. DJ Moore is a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Kenny, oh, I agree. Kenny Galladay's I mean, got week, a rough matchup. I, I'll take it even further. He's top five for me this week. Uh, he has Against to be. the Falcons team. Oh, God, yes. The, I mean, the only thing that spooks me, again, is the coaching change. I know he doesn't call the offense, but I think that just 
it's a change, so it just it worries me a little bit. Yeah, That's I mean, it. you've and you've got to like to have Calvin Ridley on the other side. the 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 rough play is Kenny Galladay against Minnesota. I, it yeah. took three and a half quarters for for Kirk Cousins to pass the ball against Seattle, and understanding that, yeah, you know, um, you know, Minnesota has a decent pass defense. Do you trust David Blau? Do, I mean, he wasn't afraid. Piece. Oh he no, he wasn't afraid to push the ball against the Bears. Um, I mean, he's playing with a mindset of nothing to lose. I mean, I, I would feel, I'd feel solid about Kenny Galladay. I, it's it's hard to argue against it. Um, I think Kevin's got a couple juicy matchups sitting on the bench in um, Auden Tate and Sterling Shepard. Uh, again, it, and Larry Fitzgerald, who's kind of been MIA, but mm-hmm. I think what do they? Who does Arizona have this week? I mean, also Robbie Arizona's Anderson played at home against Pittsburgh, and we talked about Robbie Anderson already. Kevin's got a lot of interesting options that he can pick, but it's hard to fault him for the three that he's starting, and it's hard to bet against the three that he's starting too. Yeah, I would agree. And then for tight ends, um, Kevin is rocking Hunter Henry, and you currently have Austin Hooper. Um, is Hooper going to play for sure? So reports came out, and Stefan sent me a text message today with uh, with a little bit here, some good news going into fantasy playoffs. Austin Hooper has returned to practice, and he has been incredible this season. So this gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. I mean, if Hooper, if Hooper doesn't play, I am in deep shit. I agree with that. Deep um, shit. I mean, if we're being honest, even with Hooper playing, I still like Kevin, unfortunately. Like, hate to do it to you, bud, but Kevin's... The only thing that, like, scares me about Kevin's team is his quarterbacks just being inconsistent because they are fully capable of doing that. You know, we could be... Back doing this podcast a week from now, talking about how Kevin's quarterbacks combined for 22 points or how they combined for 44 points. Would not be shocked either way. Um, but it could happen, and that's his Achilles heel right now. Um, but everywhere else, he's he's rock solid. Um, and for you, it's it's unfortunate, the matchups, and you know just kind of the, the concerns with some of the players from an injury perspective. So... Unfortunately, I'm I'm going to be going with Kevin this week. It's hard to pick against that. I know Ruth picked Kevin in our preliminary matchups as he did, yes. as he bitched out because he's sick, but we won't make fun of him for that. Um, <laughs> I think this is the one time where you can call it arrogance, you can call it pigheadedness, you can call it whatever. Every part of me says to pick Kevin just for posterity's sake, but there's no way when it comes to playoffs that I'm going to pick against myself, and I don't give a shit about the pickums. I will take myself. I think that I can do it. I'm the little engine that could in the matchups this week. I'm not going to go out and say it, but there's a projection I like to make. That, oh, gosh. That if he can do it, this could be very interesting. And Don't again, I'm, say it. I'm not going to say it, but do me a favor. Keep an eye on the blue and red. Mr. 300? I, I don't think he'll hit the 300, but if his legs are any indication about what could potentially happen, this could be one hell of a matchup between two rushing quarterbacks. So, do you think that's what it comes down to then for you? Does 100%. Josh Allen need to have like he needs a huge game, like twenty plus points for you to get three, a win this week? Three combined scores between rushing and passing, and I have an opportunity to take care of business. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, Josh Allen needs to get you probably pushing close to twenty-five points this week. I agree, but I, I also agree. think I it's think McCaffrey very possible, and I McCaffrey, I think just especially against the. The Falcons, you know, they don't like each other. This is a rivalry game. I could really see McCaffrey going off for like 45 points. And again, that's that can be good enough to decide your matchup. So it'll be close, but I'm giving the edge to Kevin, unfortunately. Yeah, so we'll split here. Um, according to StatCast here, when um, Ruth and Weir pick against me, it's they're 2-2. Two and two. So I have a 50-50 chance. <laughs> That's, yep. that's all you can hope for. Welcome to statistics, ladies and gentlemen. I love your style. Well, let's move on to the next matchup then. And this is, of course, the last matchup of the week. And that involves Mr. Nick Ruth and Zane. Uh, Z versus Captain Mayfield. Currently, the Vegas line has that as Nick Ruth by 16 points. Uh, I'll let you jump into this one since I kind of 
have monopolized the conversation for your matchup. No, you're good. I mean, it's a, I think the fun pack. So I went back and I looked at matchups. Mm-hmm. Week two, potential points, Ruth outscored Zane by 16 points. Ruth picked at a 87.6% efficiency to Zane's 80%. Week nine, they played each other again. Ruth won that matchup again. He picked at 78.9% efficiency to win mm-hmm. the matchup to Zane's 87.8% efficiency. Zane outdid him by almost a full 9% in efficiency and still got schlacked by, I mean, not schlacked, he lost by under two points. But potential point-wise, that was a 23-point difference. When you look at the actual like player statistics here, Zane has two top 10 quarterbacks. He's the number one overall quarterback in Lamar Jackson, the number seven overall quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Ruth has the number three quarterback in Dak Prescott. Running backs, do you want to know how many they have inside the top 10? Zero. Zero. Do you want to know how many they have inside the top 15? One. Zero. Mm. They have, but Mixon ranks 18th, Miles Sanders ranks 19th, and David Montgomery ranks 20th. Ugh. Mike Evans, number three wide receiver. DJ Moore, number nine. DeAndre Hopkins, number four. And they each have a top ten tight end. Travis Kelsey obviously being the number one because Austin Hooper's missed the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still a top five, you know, fantasy tight end. I said that at the beginning. Um, but then you have Evan Ingram. There's a lot of interesting pieces to this. Um, and I the think, good thing, yep, go one ahead. thing I'm going to jump in. I mean, Ingram obviously hasn't played in a few weeks. Um, but the nice thing, you know, for Zane that makes this easy is he can afford to play the waiting game with Dallas Goddard going in this game. Um, that would be the only thing since it's a Monday night matchup. You know, sometimes you can't afford to wait. But Zane's very fortunate that he can roll the dice in this matchup and just be like, fuck it, I'll start Ingram if he's healthy. If not, I'm going with Goddard. I mean, so when we look at matchups here, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson has a rough matchup against Buffalo. Now, understanding Buffalo doesn't have a very good rushing defense, but they're very good against the pass. Ironically, Lamar Jackson knows how to run the ball. Dak Prescott and Baker Mayfield have both interesting matchups here. Um, Dak against the Bears. Bears haven't been the greatest via the air, but they've shown signs of being good. And Baker should destroy Cincinnati. So I think you've got opportunities on both sides to take to take part of it. And I'll let you chime in on the, the quarterback piece here as we went back and forth yeah, last time. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say is, while Lamar doesn't have a great matchup against Buffalo, I think he's proven and kind of earned the right to still say he has just a high floor because of his rushing ability. Um, it, as weird as it sounds, it feels like the guy can get 20 points in his sleep. He's scored below 20 points in all of one of the 12 games this year. Um, again, it's not a great matchup, but you still got to feel good. I would rather start Lamar Jackson over either of Nick's quarterbacks, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I, especially with some of those pieces. Um, yeah, you've got to like the floor to Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, David Montgomery against the uh, the Cowboys here, and then Miles Sanders Monday night against the Giants. Two relatively decent matchups. The Montgomery one scares me more than the Sanders one does, especially if Jordan Howard's going to be active. But Joe Mixon and Devin Singletary both have rough sledding. Um mm-hmm. That's not great. Yeah, that's not great at all. So, I mean, I think when you look at quarterbacks, you've got to lean. I think that's a toss-up. I don't think you can lose either way. Running backs, I like Zane a little bit more. Do you have anything more to add in the running back position? Yeah, I mean, I for quarterbacks, I'm going to lean Zane, and also for running backs, I'll lean Zane. Um, but I'm with you. Neither has a juicy running back matchup, so it's it's very close. Closer than the For me, closer than the quarterback position. Yeah. So then we get into wide receivers here. So... And this is the bread and butters for both teams. Yeah, so I think, I mean, Baker's got to throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. a little bit, so it helps Zane cut down into some potential points. Um, DeAndre Hopkins here, he has a matchup that's, where is it? It's not great against Denver. Not against Denver, Denver, no. Actually, that that defense. Yeah, Denver's got a top five passing defense, so that roughs a little bit. Tyler Lockett was absolutely unheard of Mm -hmm. last week, and Anthony Miller... I'm not going to write off Dallas in any way, shape, or form. And Darius Slayton has come on a little bit here. So two very good matchups. And then I want to see if, you know, Tyler Lockett shows up. Anthony Miller has anything, but. 
Well, Anthony Miller, over the last three games, has been averaging 11 targets. Yep. The Bears clearly are kind of looking at their younger guys and seeing what they got, and Anthony Miller is benefiting from that. Um, you know, when you look at Zane's wide receivers, they've all... They haven't really performed up to their standards, and there comes a point like that's kind of just the expectation, or, you know... Can they break out? I mean, but when you and, talk about receivers that haven't performed up to expectations, Keenan Allen. Oh, yeah. Rough. Stefan Diggs. Rough. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans has had some bipolar weeks, um, you know, as we've talked about before. But again, the last four weeks, he's averaged like pretty much just 10 points. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the guy that has actually had a relatively decent run is John Brown. Mm-hmm. Give me a little John Brown love as he but catches that's the also, ball from... Well, for your sake, yeah, you hope it yeah, is, but God. it's not the best matchup against Baltimore. No, not against Baltimore. And then Curtis Samuel actually arguably has one of the better matchups in this entire slate going up against the poorest Atlanta defense, who obviously over the last couple of weeks has been relatively decent. Um, if I'm going to give the edge here, I'm going to say receivers go to go to Ruth. Mm. you going to disagree with part of that? Yeah, I'll give the slight edge to Ruth. And in fact, in regards to wide receivers, I mean, I don't know who you bench. I mean, maybe Curtis Samuel. I don't know. But part of me just wonders, do you roll the dice with James Washington? Oh, it God, seems it's like, like you read my mind all the time. It's a good matchup, first of all, against the Cardinals and that porous defense. But he's also been, let's say, the last four weeks, he's averaging little over 15 points a game, almost 16 points a game. I mean, that's pretty rock solid. Again, it's risky. It's the Pittsburgh offense. He kind of relies on like a fluke, you know, long bomb, but that's kind of what he's settling in at being. I don't know if you want to ride or die on with your season on the line with that, but I would, I think me personally, I would actually consider starting him over Curtis Samuel. I like the Samuel play personally. Okay. Um, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna consider playing James Washington, honestly, John Brown's the one that I think gets very interesting. I think it's a tough matchup, like you said. Um, how much is Josh Allen gonna be able to air the ball out and strategically yeah, place fair. it? It's an interesting play to go with it. And Keenan Allen has some some also some different pieces that go with it. 18, 21, 16, and then seven. Um, he hasn't broken 15. He had three weeks above 15 and then never broke 15 until week three, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of rough roughness to it. Um, looking at the tight end position, this is this just screams Ruth. Understanding, yes, it's a Pittsburgh defense, but I like Travis Kelsey. I like Travis Kelsey, and I'm a Travis Kelsey owner, so I'll take some Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, Nick, Nick's got definitely the advantage at tight end. You know, yeah, Travis Kelsey. Philadelphia plays the tight end extremely, extremely tough. I think that hurts Evan Ingram a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think actually the the people to watch in the Giants game is actually Darius Slayton. I think if anybody's the guy that's yeah. going to take a little bit of advantage, it's going to be him instead of Evan Ingram. Especially if, you know, Golden Tate is out this week. I don't know if he is or not, but if he is, that will definitely be a boon for Darius Slayton. Yeah. Um, as far as picks go, I'm going to take Ruth. I think upside projection-wise – any of these different pieces, Nick had a great season. Everything went according to plan as what he needed to do. When I pick Ruth, I'm six and three. When I pick against Zane, I'm four and two. I'm gonna hedge my bets and say um, statistics win. I'll take Ruth. Yeah, I think this is a real close matchup. I think it's actually on paper a little bit closer than even yours and Kevin's. Um, I feel more confident picking Kevin than I do you. This one, I don't feel confident picking either one of them. Um, it's it's that close. Um, the edge for me, though, it's I'm going to go with Zane just because the quarterbacks. I feel more confident in Zane's quarterbacks going up against Nick's you know, two quarterbacks in Baker and um, Dak. So that's kind of my determining factor. But again, it's it's insanely close. And... So you ready for some more statistics? Let's hear it. Let's hear the statistics. So when Ruth and I picked together against you, we're two and two. It's a 50-50 shot. 
So you're telling me there's a chance. Hey, man, both matchups have a chance this week. Both matchups could be extremely close or could potentially get extremely lopsided for a lot of anticlimactic, nail-biting action like we had at the end of Week 13 to see who gets into the playoffs. Um, I, I think this is going to be a hell of a banner weekend. If you're Kevin, you got to be feeling good. If you're Zane, you've got to be feeling good in some of these things. I think there's a lot of matchups that Nick and I are facing uphill with. But if anybody's ready to plow uphill... Uh, it's definitely me. I'm built a little bit stronger and bulkier than Nick is. Um, it, Nick's just a little dainty guy who builds chicken coops. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, yeah, I think this is going to be a hell of a matchup. It's going to be an interesting piece. Good luck to everybody but Kevin. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, that's all we got. This is, you know, podcast is in the books. Best of luck to the teams playing this week in the playoffs, and we will be back next week with another insightful and exciting podcast. Adios, peeps.